Welcome to the Run for PRs podcast. This is your host, Victoria Phillippe. The Run for PRs podcast was created to give away the secrets to transform your training to reach your goals. We ask all the expert run coaches and athletes the questions that you've been dying to know the answers to. We will get the inside scoop on what really makes you the best athlete that you can be. Have you ever seen a fast runner and wonder, wow, how did they get so fast? Well, then this podcast is for you. We are going to do a deep dive to reveal the secrets to reaching your potential as a runner. Doing a backup marathon or race if the first race doesn't go as planned. We have all been there, train hard, get into great shape, and then something uncontrollable happens on race day. Maybe it was terrible weather, or maybe our body, for whatever reason, just felt really off that day. Maybe we got a sinus infection the week of the race, or maybe we woke up with a fever. We are chatting today about what to do if your race does not go as planned. And I have with me Jason Phillippe, who is a coach here at Run for PRs and also has a decade of run coaching experience at the high school, college, and then moving on to the club level starting about seven years ago now. So he's been working with marathoners and more of the um, recreational road racers for about seven years, but also has um, experience at the high school and college level coaching athletes as well. And what's really interesting about that experience is that um, when we're talking about the topic of doing a backup race, it almost is a totally different discussion if we're talking about a one mile or a 5k, which is really more of like the common events if you're talking about high school cross country or indoor track um, at the college level. So that's more prevalent maybe in what you did early on in your coaching career. But now when we're talking more about the marathon or half marathon distance, if a race doesn't go your way, it's kind of a different um, ball game just because the distance is so long and the recovery from that distance just takes so much longer. And so it's really interesting to kind of do a dive here about the differences maybe between doing a backup race if it's, you know, a one mile race versus a full marathon and kind of what we can do and how we can navigate the decision-making process um, from a coaching perspective. And then also just as an athlete, um, if you've ever had to navigate that personally. So I guess I would kick things off with, have you ever had a race that didn't go well, maybe personally as an athlete, um, maybe this is even like in high school, college, like a short distance race, um, or have, and have you also had a longer distance race that also hasn't gone well? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking back to like college, that's kind of where it first stands out because we're you know, you're, we're, you're, we're racing almost every week and you do have opportunities to go and race elsewhere. Um, that's the nice thing about, you know, the shorter distance races that, that it seems to be like they offer more of those races. Even if you look at road races, there's a lot more 5k options, uh, typically in your area. So, you know, if you train really hard for a race, it doesn't go well. You can always try again in a week or two. Whereas if we're talking marathon, half marathon, a lot of times you're gonna have to wait longer, sometimes two, three months later, um, to get your second chance. But I definitely had a couple races. You know, in college, you try to hit a what's called a provisional qualifier, so you can get get on the top. You know, whatever whatever list to go to nationals. Typically, it's anywhere from like sixteen to twenty runners will get to go. And so, 
it's not a guaranteed time that'll get you in, but you try to move up the list. And I've, I've done a few races where I've traveled, you know, four to six hours just to try to get a qualifying time. Um, I've had success at some of those. I've also come up a little short, but, um, you know, the key takeaway is always learning about, um, the tactics that you maybe use or didn't use and trying to apply it to future races. Um, obviously when we're talking about longer races, weather's going to play more of a factor, I think, especially, um, in marathons and half marathons. So if, you know, if weather's not good, you know, I'm thinking about late summer, early fall is a, is a common time for people. Um, if their early fall or late summer race doesn't go as planned, you know, you can always try to come back again with maybe like a late fall, early winter. Um, now this year's a little bit different depending on the races that are, you know, available to you, but, um, I've seen it in the spring too. I've seen people go to Boston and they didn't really have the greatest race and then they want to come back, um, about two months later at, at grandma's for example, and, and try to run, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hope for better weather, but also just a better day for them. So, um, luckily I've only really, I mean, I had a terrible race at Boston one year and I didn't really have another race plan. Um, so what I've learned from my experience is maybe just shift your attention to a different distance. Um, that can help sometimes just kind of re-energize you. Um, and I think that's what I did. I think I dropped down to the half at grandma's and then I ran some five K's throughout the summer. So, um, you don't always have to try to, you know, find a backup race at the same distance. It could, if you're in PR shape for a marathon, there's a good chance you might be for half as well. So, or vice versa. So if one of them doesn't go your way, you can always try at the other distance. I think that would be a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah, that's a good um, topic to talk about. And just thinking about, you know, how you said you've only really had one marathon that you felt didn't go as planned, quote unquote. And I think just thinking about that topic of not going as planned, like, I think we have to dissect that a little bit because I think everyone has different standards for that. And for some people, a race not going as planned might be not reaching your A goal. And so I think maybe just opening up a little bit more about have you ever had races where you didn't hit your A goal? Um, Like maybe you were a couple minutes short or like you still ran a good time, but it wasn't like what you were in ultimate shape for. And then do you just kind of walk away from that? Like at what point does it become, okay, this race is a disaster and I need to redo it versus, okay, I, I maybe like didn't reach my potential, um, but I'm okay with that. I mean, mm-hmm. is there like, where do you start to draw that line of saying I might try this again versus not? Yeah, I think it boils down to maybe factors you had control over. So thinking back to my, you know, earlier marathon days where when I was in PR shape, I think 2012 is my marathon PR or 2013. Um, anyways, I ran a, um, a 2.46 at Chicago and I really want to run 2.45. So I came up a minute short. I was okay with that because it was a big PR. Um, my PR before that, I think, was 2.58. So I was content with it. It was a good weather day. Um, I figured there was probably nothing else I could have done differently on, on race day to execute. It was more just um, a lack of fitness, needed to maybe train a little bit more. Um, you know, I only did one one run over 18 miles leading up to that training cycle. Um, the other race that comes to mind, I guess, would be Boston. Um, I think it was 2014 or 2015, one of those years. I ran a 249. I trained really hard. I felt like I was in good shape. Again, I wanted to run 245, so I came up four minutes short. But because of the conditions, I felt pretty pretty content with the effort. Um, you know, it was not like the monsoon year, but it was still pretty cold, uh, windy, rainy, and 
I had a pretty good, pretty good race where I didn't slow down too much. So, I mean, even at the halfway point, I wasn't really on track to hit that goal of 245. So I was very, you know, content with my, with my effort that day. Um, that was a race where I probably could have looked at the weather and been like, okay, I think on a, maybe a faster course, faster day, I could go and possibly run a PR. Um, not thinking back, I'm not sure why I didn't do that that spring. I probably went, I probably should have went and done that at grandma's, um, or found another race, maybe like Fargo, for example. But, um, that would have been an opportunity where if I could go back and do it again, I definitely would have, because you just never know, um, you know, the, if you take another shot at it, what could happen. And, um, I think for me, yeah, it's all, it all boils down to looking at the factors that you have control over. So, um, you know, if you're, if you feel like you didn't have control over the weather that day, maybe you want to give it a shot again. But if you kind of felt like you did everything in your power, you execute a smart race plan, you came up short, then maybe just wait it out a little bit longer, try to, um, you know, let your fitness progress a little bit more and then you can try again. Yeah, it's really interesting how you were talking about, you know, you were one minute off your eagle, you were four minutes off. And I think most people listening can kind of be like, yeah, he pretty much, you know, capitalized there, you know, what's a couple minutes. But I think where it kind of becomes like this gray zone area. I mean, obviously, we know if you're like 20 minutes off your goal, 30 minutes off your goal, like that's kind of a flop. But the gray zone area might be, I'm thinking more of like when you ran LA in 2016, I think your goal, if I remember correctly, was to run like more of a 240, um, like 242. And you, I think you ran 257. And so in that situation where it's like, you would have been happy with a 245. So you're, you're clearly at least 10 minutes off of what you wanted to run. Um, in that case scenario, what factors kind of would go into you analyzing that race and deciding if it was worth it? And maybe this race was different, uh, but what what would make you decide to, I have to redo this versus no? Yeah, thinking back to that race, you know, I know I had said I would love a PR and I think I could run 240 and all that. And, and that winter, I did the majority of my training on a treadmill and, um, you know, obviously we flew out to California. We spent, we spent the Saturday watching the trials, staying out in the heat all day. And then we had to run the next day and it was pretty warm out for us too on Sunday. And I just think that the lack of training, um, you know, I wasn't acclimated to the heat. I wasn't even ready for the Hills. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you ran LA, you know, that the first, first couple of miles are pretty, pretty rolling Hills. And then you have a nice solid climber on mile five and then a really steep downhill mile 15. And I noticed after that, my quads were just shot. And so, I, you know, I kind of knew like, Hey, my next race after that was Boston. And I knew that was just as challenging of a course. Um, and I knew that I, I needed a lot of time off after LA. Like, I don't remember how much time I took, but I probably didn't do another workout for a month. Um, and I knew it wasn't realistic to try to go and, and, you know, run a PR at Boston. So, um, but had I waited a little bit longer, I probably could have looked at a different race, maybe later in the spring or early summer. Um, but yeah, thinking back to that race, it was one of those, you know, you got to be honest with yourself. And I think I really wasn't at the time. I was a little naive to think like, oh, I could go run, um, uh, you know, maybe a 240 or 245 just because, oh, I had done a few longer runs and compared to when I ran the 246 and the 249, but, you know, they were on the treadmill and um, it, it just, it is different. And I think, um, yeah, I'm not recalling exactly like what other kind of workouts I was doing during that time, but um I definitely think there is room to to implement more, you know, threshold and more steady state runs. 
Yeah, I think that there is definitely, you know, moral of the story from that is, you know, you might have been in 240 shape, 245 shape, but, you know, with the majority of your training being on a treadmill or training in, you know, 20 degree weather because it was February um, in Minnesota, which, you know, it's freezing cold there. Um, So perhaps like if you were on a flat course similar to like more of a treadmill or more of, you know, running around the lakes where we probably did a lot of our runs um, and the weather was very, very cold, like a 30, 40 degree day, um, like could you have ran 245, 240? That's really what's interesting to me because it's like you maybe had that fitness in those conditions, but like you said, it does really matter what type of course you're taking it onto. And so you really have to train specifically for the course. And I think um, being naive about our fitness level, when you put it up against a course like a Boston or an LA or like a very hilly marathon, you have to be honest with yourself going in and saying, am I in 245 shape on this course? Because if you're signed up for a race, you need to know and be honest with yourself that the course that you're going to be racing on is the course where you need to project your fitness onto. So if you think, oh, like I really want to run um, like a Boston qualifier, but like I'm signed up for this hilly race, but I'm actually in Boston qualifier shape on a super flat race, you're not in Boston qualifier shape on that, on that course unless you can say, I train specifically for this course, I'm in um, BQ shape for this course. Um, and another moral that I kind of got out of that was, so we were signed up for LA in February and we were also signed up for Boston in April. And so what I get out of that is the reason you didn't end up doing a backup race, cause who knows, maybe you would have done, you know, your LA you did and didn't go as planned. Maybe you would have researched, Hey, I want to do a flat course, capitalize on my fitness in a couple of months, um, and, and do a really cool weather day. Maybe you would have been able to do a backup race, but because you were already pre-committed to, Oh, I got to run Boston in two months. Like you didn't have options available to you. And I think when we talk about doing backup races, when you have like so many races on your calendar and like, there's not any wiggle room, um, and you don't plan for a recovery and like, you're already thinking worst case scenario, oh, well, if I bomb this race and I can try it the next one. I think that that sets athletes up for more of like a failure's mindset because even when you were on the course at LA, I'm sure in the back of your head a couple of times while you were running the last half of the race, you thought, dang, yeah, we got to go do Boston after this in two months. And so not only did that mentally hold you back, but I think physically like just it maybe maybe you slowed down maybe you played it more safe um but also you didn't have the freedom to be thinking during those final miles like hey like I'm gonna go and I'm gonna run like Fargo in a couple of months um you didn't have the freedom to think positively instead you were forced to think crap I have to go run Boston Hills in two months after this so I think really it's important to not be signed up for more than one marathon at a time um, within the same season to give yourself that freedom and flexibility. And then don't prepare for worst case scenario. So you don't want to be signed up for Boston and be like, well, I know Boston's a hard course, so I'm not going to give it my on race day. But instead, like two months later, I have this other marathon I'm going to do. Uh, I think that that can just really set people up for like straight up exhaustion. Because what was your mindset like 
that was probably the only marathon you've ever done where you were signed up for a subsequent marathon after. Did that impact you mentally? Like, what were your thoughts? Um, Do you think you would have just had like a different outlook or attitude that day had you not been like pre-committed to running another marathon? Like, cause those back-to-back marathons that can really just start to play like a mental game in your head. Yeah, I definitely think so. I, you know, and I mentioned earlier, I think I had to take about a month off after LA. I just felt beat up. So I really wanted to make my, make sure my body was recovered, just knowing that I had Boston. My number one goal is just to be able to run, run Boston without being hurt. So I, I wanted to rest and ideally it would have been better, you know, because I probably didn't start running again until mid-March. It would have been better um, if the next marathon was in, you know, early June, because then I would have had another six weeks to prepare. Um, I was kind of rushed to get ready for Boston. I probably had four or five weeks, you know, and three of those were actually probably decent weeks because then you have your taper. So I definitely think it, yeah, I, I agree with you on the whole, you know, don't be signed up for two and during, during the same season. Um, and thinking back to one year when you ran Boston, you ran pretty well, and then you came back and PR to Grandma's. Did you, were you signed up for Grandma's or was that a race you decided after Boston to try to register and do because you wanted to capitalize on your fitness? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, when thinking about this topic personally, like I've done 19 marathons and a lot of those, um, were kind of like rule breakers. Right. So I was maybe signed up for more than one in a season or like I did stupid things like, Oh, I ran this race and now I'm going to sign up for this one. Or I liked the location and I just signed up spur of the moment. Um, I mean, that's how you get 19 marathons by the time you're, you know, 20, 27, 28 years old. So for me, um, when I, I've only successfully done these backup marathon situations twice. Um, The first one being my second marathon ever, um, and the other one being the Boston to grandmas that you just brought up. And I think the two things that these, these, those two situations have in common, I can maybe like go over what I think they have in common. So When I went into my first marathon, I did not have another marathon planned. That was number one. Same with when I went into that Boston. I did not have any other race planned for the next six, nine months. I mean, like that was all my eggs were in the basket, right? Like I went to the start line of Boston 2015 and of my first marathon saying, this is it. I have put everything on the line. I'm going to empty this tank. Like this is my day. And even at Boston 2015, my first Boston, like people warned me, they warned us like, don't do that. Like it's a really hard course. And I was like, dude, I know, like I trained specifically for this course. Like I was insane. Like I had to do all the hill workouts. I wanted, I like knew every hill in Boston. Like I knew everything about the course. Um, I felt so confident about being able to hit my goal on that course. Like I knew where my fitness was and I was like, yeah, on a flat course, I'd be in even better shape. So the weather was the thing that really stopped me at Boston 2015. I got hypothermic the last um, like five miles, specifically like the last really three miles. Um, I was pretty underdressed. You know, it was 40 degrees, raining, windy. Um, And while I was prepared for cold weather training in Minnesota, I was underdressed. Um, My arms were exposed. I was wearing a tank top. Uh, wearing shorts and just over the course of the race, I, I think I just progressively got colder and um, there was no point where I like hit a wall. It was more like 
my vision started getting like tunnel vision and it was just more of like a, my body just couldn't execute because of the weather conditions. And that was just like super upsetting for me, especially when I crossed the finish line, I couldn't speak because I was so cold, like my mouth, like I was shivering so much. Like uh, the volunteers were like, oh my gosh, you have to get you like in, in somewhere warm. And it took me like an hour to be able to like speak in sentences just because that's how cold I was. Um, but anyways, so I was really upset just because that is the condition that I had to face on race day. And I knew that if I had any other weather, you know, that was reasonable, I would have been able to execute. Um, and so what I ended up doing was right then and there, I said, no, like this isn't it for me. Like I put all my eggs in my basket. I know what type of shape I'm in. That was not, that was not it. Like that was not the day for me. So I went on my phone, like literally six hours later and was like, I know exactly what race I'm doing. And this was all something that like kind of spiraled after I finished. None of these thoughts were going on while I was running. Um, I didn't have any intention on running another marathon. I was just really dead set on, I'm in the best shape of my life and I'm going to capitalize on that today. And because I wasn't able to, given the weather situation, I had to allow myself a chance to do it again. So I signed up for another race. Two months later, I ended up running um, the time that I wanted to. So at Boston in 2015, I wanted to run 3.15. I ended up running um, like a 3.20. And then at Boston, or at Grandma's two months later, um, I didn't have like a like the best race, obviously, because anytime you're doing these back-to-back marathons, you're, it's, you're going to lose fitness. First of all, you have to know that going into it. And second of all, it's going to be a lot harder because mentally you've already like done a marathon, right? So it's, it's so hard and you have to want it so badly. Um, so I, I didn't run like to my potential that day, but I did run a three fourteen. So I did hit the goal, um, that I wanted to do, but on that course, I feel like if I would have done it in April, I would have been able to run three Oh nine. So it's just really interesting to think about, um, you know, how weather can be such an impacting factor. But the biggest thing that really dictated whether I was successful or not, I think was I had to really still be hungry to do another marathon. Whereas, you know, there have been races where I've crossed the finish line, I've ran way slower than my goal. And I'm just like, nope, I'm done. Like I'm not doing it. Um, Even though like I wanted a faster time, I just did not have it in me to do another 26.2 which is really important to kind of address, like how does one know if they are so exhausted from the marathon um, or if they have it in them? Like, how would you know that? Yeah, it's a good question because typically I'm someone that likes to take the break. So um, I would say, and that's, that's totally fine. Like, I think it's good to take her a week or two off. And then um, I, would, I would give it another week or two to see like how motivated are you to get out um, you know, consistently, are you motivated to do any long runs or, you know, somewhat long runs? And so I would kind of let that drive your decision. Um, you know, some people, like Victoria said, she was looking right away. And so that, that was a sign that she was still hungry for more. Um, I, I've finished marathons so many times. I said, this is my last one. I'm never doing another one. So it's, um, there's, you know, definitely different emotions are going to, you're going to go through and experience. Um, and you might be someone who, who knows right away. And so that's good. You can let that go and, 
and make your decision um, for your next race. Otherwise, I would say if you're kind of like me or you're just unsure what you want to do, just give it some time. And and I think you'll you'll feel better. You'll come to a, a realization of what it is you want to focus on um, in the next few weeks. And then based on how you're recovering too, because, you know, it's, it's really hard to want to go out and, 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 you know, continue training for a marathon when you feel like your recovery is not coming along as quickly as you'd hoped. Right. Yeah. I think it's really important to understand when most people do cross the finish line of a marathon, they don't want to do, you know, a backup, no matter like how bad the race went. Like I I've had races where I'm like 20 minutes off my goal. Um, and now I'm like, nope, not doing it again. And that's fine. And I don't think anyone should feel like guilty for not attempting to do uh, another marathon. You know, I think it's it's very rare that you're going to find a situation, a time and a place where it makes sense to do a backup marathon. Um, it's kind of what I'm getting at. I think it's just not, it's not that common. And, and 26.2 is such a massive undertaking that, I mean, you really, the stars really have to be aligned for this to to work very well. I've only seen maybe a handful of people um, do something similar to, you know, like what I was describing where, you know, you're able to run faster at your backup race that you didn't have planned. Um, It's pretty rare. And so I don't really think it should be super encouraged. I think um, it's like on a case by case basis. But, I mean, you really have to know the fitness is there, I think, is the biggest thing. Um, I've often seen people go out and they're like, yeah, I think I'm in 330 shape. And then they run like 340. And it's just like, was the fitness ever really there to begin with, right? I think that's the question you really need to ask yourself is like, how confident are you in the fitness and that you were in? And like, do you have um, like evidence and proof like that's really the type of shape I was in or did I just maybe like over gauge um, my abilities and so it's really important to be honest with yourself about where your fitness was at where your fitness is at if you can handle it because I've definitely seen the opposite happen where someone says yep gonna do a backup marathon Um, and actually it's like they DNF right or they do worse Um, so you really have to analyze the situation understand that going into it is probably the marathon's probably even going to be harder than the first one mentally just because you just ran 26.2 miles um there's just a lot to kind of take in there so shifting away maybe from the marathon like what about you know if, if it's like a 5k or a one mile um how is it different and is that like more likely to do a backup and be successful at it and why yeah, I think I think it's a, there's a big difference. Obviously, we know the recovery is different, so you don't have to wait as long. Um, the other thing is mentally, it's it's probably you know it's a, obviously a shorter time frame to get through the race, and so it's not as you know exhausting to really think about like you know suffering through a five k for twenty or so minutes compared to a marathon. But um, yeah, I would say you know five k is a good example because you have a lot of opportunities to run them and. Um, the course plays a huge role in a 5k, especially people around you too, because, um, you know, that can, that can make a big difference. Like if you're kind of getting competitive with the people around you or you find yourself in no man's land, um, and you're out there alone, that can really make it hard to, to want to push it. Um, cause a 5k, you got to find that, that extra, that extra gear and you have to finish strong. So I think that, um, you know, setting yourself up to run the right race, 
um, having a few, you know, obviously you want to train specifically for that race too. And a lot of times maybe, um, we have this expectation of wanting to run a PR in a 5k and it's kind of right in the middle or right after we just did like a marathon or half marathon build up. And so, you know, we have to be honest with ourselves and say, you know, we could spend eight solid weeks or 12 weeks here really trying to build up for a fast 5k, um, to see if that really makes a difference. And, and it should, because you're mentally, you know, doing harder workouts that are going to get you ready for it. Um, and then thinking back to one year two, coming off of Boston, when I thought I could PR and I came up a little short, you know, instead of running another marathon two months later, I went and did a half and I ran a PR. And so that's a good example of kind of choosing a different distance. Um, and going into that half, I really wasn't thinking I had a chance to PR. And so that's the other interesting thing is sometimes when you train differently, um, for a different distance, it can actually help, help you in the other distances more than you realize. Um, and so I, apparently I had a good enough endurance base. I felt strong the last 5k that half. Um, and I was really able to, to throw it on, run a pretty fast last 5k, um, and PR that day. Um, so yeah, and it could be, it could be the same of, you know, running a half and then cutting down and trying a, a 10k or a 5k. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I think sometimes, you know, you get into that mentality of like, doing the same race distance over and over and it can almost feel like you're like running yourself into the ground and you know it's a little bit different when we're talking about like college cross country or high school cross country because the course is always different but you know if you're just someone out there who's trying to run a fast 5k and you just keep running like around the same time um I think there's something to be said about you know like let's take a break right like if you've done like two three races that are all um within the same you know 10 seconds I don't really think there's going to be like a huge breakthrough race by continuing to do another one. So maybe, you know, if you didn't run your goal on a 5k, you try again when the weather's better, maybe on a better course. Um, but if again, you're, you're hitting about the same times, I think it's time maybe to step back and reevaluate. Okay. Like, do I need an off season? Do I need to train for a different distance? Do I need to race a different distance? Cause you can, I think get flat and mentally there's something to be said about, you know, trying a different race distance and just reaching your potential and not getting so wrapped up in like the number side of things. Um, cause I do think that sometimes it can be a limiting factor, like even mentally knowing, Oh my gosh, like I need to run, you know, 22 something in the 5k and I'm always stuck at 23. Like you have to break through sometimes in a different race event in order to like build that confidence. Um, and then just totally crush it in the 5k when you go back to it. Um, so sometimes like it might be good to switch to the one mile. If you're focusing on the 5k, it might be good to like move up in distance to the 10k. Um, and I know, you know, you being history of indoor outdoor track, do you ever see that happen kind of with athletes? Cause I know you coach between like the 800 meters all the way up to the 5k. Do you ever like, did you ever switch athletes in and out of events? Um, you know, different weekends just to like get them to kind of break out of a rut. Yeah, definitely. I think there's something to be said from, you know, the mental uh, benefits that you're getting when you, you know, when you put yourself in a different um, race, obviously your, your tactics have to be a bit different. Your, um, you know, if you're running a shorter race, you're going to have to really find that extra gear and, and, and push through that uncomfortableness. And then, um, you know, it'll feel a little bit easier when you go back to your other distance, um, later. So I, I've definitely explored with, um, having athletes try new races and kind of switch it, switch it up. They rarely do the same race every week. Um, 
you definitely want to, you know, move them around from 5k, 3k mile, maybe an occasional 800 if they really like the speed or even a four by four, um, which would really test their speed. Um, and if, you know, if, um, if you're unfamiliar with doing those shorter races, I think, I think it can be a fun challenge for you. And I know, you know, we've had a few one mile uh, virtual races, and I think that's a great way to just go out and test yourself to see like how, how really fast am I able to push myself? Um, and you may, you may surprise yourself. And then, you know, obviously we talk about physical training all the time, but there's a big side to, um, you know, reaching your potential. And that's really the mental training that goes into all of these races. And, um, I think by doing different distances, you're developing, um, your mental toughness and your, um, you know, you're learning how to handle, um, you know, tolerating paces at various distances or, um, you know, different races and, and how they feel, um, so I think a lot, a lot can come from that. And, you know, the opposite as well, if I have a miler who doesn't really like running longer stuff, we might jump them up and make them run the three K or the five K on occasion, just to get them in a race where it teaches them to be a little more patient, um, to string things out a little bit more, work on that aerobic base so they can handle maybe going out a little faster. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, there's so many benefits to switching the distance that you're doing and not getting so like wrapped up and caught up in it. Um, because you know, it does actually take six weeks to really see physiological benefits to training. And so I think that's another thing that's important to remember. So if you have capitalized, um, you know, on your 5k fitness or on your one mile fitness, um, you're not actually going to see an increase in your time for another six weeks, even with training. And so it's important not to like race every single weekend back to back or even every other weekend or, you know, every month, um, doing the same distance, you're probably not going to see a ton of improvement, but if you do, um, see, improvement it's usually a result of just learning how to race better and so there's something to be said about you know pushing yourself and learning how to race so that you can really reach your potential and so you know like we are doing the 15 weeks of faster 5k and obviously there's more um, races within that than every six weeks and the reason being is because we want to see you know given the chance to race can you you know become a better racer and there's two different components to racing right it's what fitness are you in on the starting line and second like how good of a racer are you like how well can you execute and so for people uh, maybe like yourself or me we've done a lot of 5ks like we kind of know what we're getting into but you know someone who's not as experienced in the 5k they might have they might be in better shape than you jason but if they don't have any experience racing it, like you could potentially, you know, beat them just because you are smarter about how you're going to race it. And tactically, like you just have a better skill set in racing. Whereas, you know, someone who's never done it before, they might go out guns blazing and then blow up. And so they're not actually able to reach their potential in the distance. And I've seen this happen so many times, you know, at local 5Ks. And I know it's been a while since we've actually done races outside, but there was this one 5k I went to like three years in a row and this lady like went out she went out so hard every single time and I watched her kind of just like start fading by mile one and usually you know she'd go out and I don't even know like a like a seven minute mile but she would probably be at the 800 at like a six minute pace and I'm like whoa like she has a lot of speed right like she has the speed to be running you know, X time. And then when she would finally cross the finish line, it would be like 24 minutes or something. And I'm, I just was like, w- like if she just practiced, right? Like she could really get down more into like, you know, maybe it's sub 21. 
but because, you know, for whatever reason, she maybe it's the only 5K she ever runs. And maybe, she, like, no one ever gave her, you know, the lesson in pacing and all that stuff. Um, but you're never going to reach your potential if you don't pace correctly. And so, you know, one of the biggest takeaways that you can get from these podcasts or from just any anything racing in general is that you're going to want to try for slight negative splits or even splits. You know, in a 5K, the, the best way to run to your potential is to even split it, um, going out on pace and just like riding right there the whole time. Um, maybe slight negative splits, but it's definitely not, you're, you're not going to reach your potential by going out hard and dying. And a lot of people don't, um, they don't buy into that for whatever reason. And it's really tough as a coach to try to like explain, okay, this is the only way that you're actually going to reach your potential is if you go out slow. Um, and the longer the race, like the more important this is because, you know, in a 5k, if you go out too fast and you start slowing down and you're a minute per mile off your goal by the last mile, no big deal. 60 seconds, right? That doesn't, that's not huge, but in a marathon, if you go out too fast, the second half of the race, if you're a minute per mile off your goal, that's huge. That's like 13 to 20 minutes. Right. Um, and it usually ends up being even more than that. So you really have to be careful about, okay, are you going to go into this backup race with a mindset of I'm going to pace better? Um, all of these factors are just really important to navigate. Um, do you have any like last minute tips or words of wisdom when it comes to last minute races? Have you ever done some and then, you know, failed? Like what, what are your lessons learned here? Well, I would say, you know, if you're going to a race and you're trying to have, you're trying to reach your potential, don't even think about like having a backup race because that, that will allow you an easy out when things start to get hard. Um, or you might make excuses and say, well, I'll just, shut it down because it's too hot today or whatever, and I'll try again at this race. Um, or this course is a little bit more hilly than I thought. Oh, I'll just wait until this day. Or, um, oh, I, I guess I went out a little too quick. Um, I should have slowed down. I, you know, I, you know, I got too carried away. Um, so now my, I'm probably going to slow down and, and, and die. So I'll just go to this race and try again. So you know, just don't really have that in the back of your mind. I think it's best to go all in. And then if the, if the race doesn't quite go your way, then you can start thinking about like, what's your plan B. But, um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's, it's best to just take it one race at a time. Don't be signed up for, for two, especially of the same distance. Um, you know, in a short time frame, give yourself time to, you know, reflect after and, and decide what, what distance it is you want to go after next. Um, um, yeah, so that would be it. Yeah, that's really good advice. Um, you should always go into the race ready to put it on the line. No excuses. Um, if, if you're going to like start riding the excuse chain or if you have an excuse even before the start line, my advice would be like, don't even go to the race, right? So uh, you, you don't want to like just do it just to go through the motions. If, if you know you're going to have an like off day or you know for whatever reason, like you already have a different race in mind you want to do do that race, right? Like do the one that you're all in on. There's really no point in going to race if you're not, you know, all in. Uh, so that's really good. That's great advice. Um, and if anyone ever has any questions about racing, wants to talk about like racing game plan, get some training, uh, maybe get a pacing plan. Of course we do phone consultations. Um, we also have a free seven day trial you can get for completely customized training, working one-on-one with a coach. If you fill out the form at www.runforprs.co, We can get you set up right away. So thanks for tuning in.